0: Welcome to the Raptors post game TOT cast. It is a uh, sad, sad time. The Raptors lost Game Six, one hundred three ninety one. Um, man, it is so, so depressing. Tomorrow, I know you said you were feeling a bit better about it, but give me your thoughts on Game Six here. Um, terrible loss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could tell. Like you know, even on the Twitter, on my Twitter feed, a lot of people are really down on the game. I don't know, man. I thought it was pretty, pretty good. Fun to watch. Been a lot more fun to watch than the first two. Yeah.
0: You know what, I definitely agree with you there. From like a basketball fan perspective, it was a good game to watch. It was, you know, it had its moments going back and forth. The Heat got a transition and ran a bit. Um, Their iso ball was actually bearable to watch. And quite frankly, they won the battle of long mid-range twos. So kudos to the Heat. As for the Raptors, Kyle Lowry tried. The Rosen tried. The rest of them were boarding a flight back home. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, remember
1: that uh, anecdote, Jared Dudley, people shoot better in Miami, Kyle Lowry, three of five from three? You
0: know what? I, <laughs> I <didn't think laughs> that. That's one thing that stuck in my head the whole night watching it, and for what it's worth, DeMar DeRozan, perfect from the free throw line again, Miami sure. Weather. You know who benefited from the Miami Weather the most, though, was... Uh, that dickhead Goran Dragic. Yo, you, know you hate You hate
1: him so much. He must be your least favorite player. In he's the league. up there.
0: He's definitely my top three of least favorite players. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, you know, I like his. Uh, I like his play style, man. It's just like drives to the rim, three pointers, pick and rolls. It's a lot like a, basically he's like a standard point guard in the NBA. But you know, it's aesthetically pleasing to watch.
0: Well, he's your prototypical guy that can run the one five high screen, um, work the ball around. He's not the greatest like, swingman passer where you're going to run an offense straight through him all the time because a lot of what he does is predicated off getting to the hoop, in my opinion. When he gets to the rim, he's lethal, like we saw tonight. I mean, he was only two or five from three, but the ones he hit were timely. But his ability to get to the rim and just create things, that little bull rush forearm move he's got, is, it's unstoppable at times. And uh, I don't know how you defend it because either he's going to draw the foul or a guy like Lowry is going to continue to get bowled over. Right, right. Um, what would you think about, you know what, Joe Johnson kind of showed up a bit tonight. He was somebody who I thought going into this game would have to step up. 30 minutes, 13 points. Mm, you know, he had that big dagger three, so I thought he played a little bit better. Um, aside from him, is there anybody that really stood out to you tonight?
1: Uh, specifically, I guess it would be uh, maybe Dwayne Wade. He played okay, you know. Other than, Okay, maybe it was Goran Dragic and... Kyle Lowry, that's pretty much like the stars of the game. And then you would have, you know, Dwayne Wade, he chipped in a bit. You know, 8 of 21, 1 of 4 from 3. You know, he believes he can shoot threes now.
0: Oh, he's throwback Dwayne Wade. He's, he believes he's flash, and he can shoot threes, get to the cup, do whatever he's got to do again. <laughs> and it almost got the Raptors back in the game there late in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, sorry, when he uh, was going that iso ball offense, and they were down by 8, down by 6, and then, you know, we, we saw what happened after that.
1: Yeah, the Heat have this weird problem where um, they, they, like, honor Dwayne Wade too much. Like, especially near the end of the game, they'll go away from Dragic, even if Drogic is, like, right in this game where he was just scorching the Raptors, right, 30 points. And he was just, like, eating, he was basically just whatever he put up was going down. But for some reason, they feel like, we've got to get Wade going. We've got to get Wade going. Even though he's, you know, not playing very well, they always feel like they have to, to ride him it's not necessarily true. This is why they got Goran Dragic, right?
0: Yeah, Four it's really some pressure, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is the exact reason why they got him, and they just refused to actually use him for the reason that they got him.
0: What did you think about the officiating? Because a lot of people on Twitter, Raptors fans especially, were going crazy all night. It all started with the Bionbo offensive goaltending, which was a joke. That was not a goaltending. But from there, it just felt like the avalanche of, I guess, criticism towards the officials really started. Um, thoughts on them tonight?
1: Okay, here I want to ask you something before I answer that. What do you think? Like, who do you think committed the most fouls in this game? Not like a player. Like,
0: which team? Which team? Yeah, uh, I think it was the Heat actually, because Lowry and DeRozan were getting to the line a lot.
1: It was eighteen to eighteen on fouls.
0: It was wow? Okay.
1: So It's tied on fouls, but then I still have this like huge Twitter, uh, huge Twitter feed of complaints. So, it, it, like you know, when you're reading Twitter or if you're looking at any other sort of social media. Feels like the Raptors are getting like the 2007 uh, Dallas versus Miami treatment, where Dwayne Wade is getting every foul. Is definitely not true. <laughs> well,
0: you know what's funny is Sean Corbin who was officiating the game tonight. Uh, the Raptors are 21 and three in their last 24 games that he refs, and that's including yeah. the playoffs. So,
1: yeah, exactly. So it's just this weird persecution complex that Toronto fans seem to have. You know,
0: I like it's that the- <laughs> persecution. <complex.
1: laughs> it's yeah, it's them. You know, it's them versus the world. It's like they're the, the the perception is that they're the only Canadian team, and why would America want Canada to win and be successful?
0: And then why would anybody not want to see Dwayne Wade versus LeBron James? Right? That's the whole other Raptors theory, too. That's yeah, yeah, to
1: it's like this huge, huge, huge conspiracy, and it's not even like just this year. It's every year they have this conspiracy of like the refs want us to lose, the league wants us to lose,
0: every single year. It, it, it. It gets sickening to talk about. It. It's it's depressing because every Toronto sports team we relate some sort of conspiracy theory towards it. You know this, a thing though, the sidebar with that before we, uh, before we go on from it. Yeah. The Raptors are zero five now in clinching games, but they haven't lost back to back games yet in the playoffs. So maybe it's a series of trends here that are going to come through.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, every you know every streak is made to be broken. Every record's made to be broken. Every rule's made to be broken. So. You just
0: broke my confidence right there.
1: (laughs) You know, there's like this thing in politics where there's always like a sentence that you'll be able to say that is like, you know, no president has ever won while losing their home state (laughs) until that happens. And then you just throw out that statistic. Right. So it's just like in the same thing in in sports. No. Warriors, you know, never win back or never lose two games in a row until they do. Like that could happen in the finals.
0: What are you trying to hint at here? I feel like you're trying to hit at something. Like, are we well, losing say, Game 7? Is that what you're getting at?
1: I'm not saying they're going to lose Game 7. I'm just saying, you know, it's not a write-in.
0: i yeah, it yeah. was a write-in, but now you're really making me think about it here more.
1: <laughs> it's not a write-in, and especially if, um, here, let's get it. Let's take a look at, like, the defense. Like, with Goran Dragic, he, like, when he scored 30 points, it's mostly after, like, Kyle Lowry was in uh, foul trouble. That could yeah. definitely happen again. 100%. You know when he's drawing, whenever he draws fouls, it's not in like a like he doesn't reach in much, and it's not like a like a blocking foul. It's not a shooting foul. It's more a blocking foul. Like he's trying to draw draw a charge,
0: but he's never set. His feet are always moving. He always gets called for it this whole entire series. Exactly. He's just gonna stop that.
1: Exactly. So when you're drawing when you're drawing charges, especially in the playoffs, when like you know uh, fouls are extremely valuable. If you're trying to draw charges, there's also the, the possibility of drawing a block. No matter what, even if you were just standing still the entire game, and somebody ran into you, there's still like, you know, probably like a one percent chance of drawing that uh, blocking charge. So by doing that, you know, he, he puts himself in risk of being in foul trouble, and I feel like that really affected them, like the Raptors in this game.
0: I feel like the loss of DeMari killed too. I mean, he was walking around gingerly there late in the third quarter, and he basically never came back. He barely played the fourth quarter. And I feel like that was a big contributing factor, too, on top of Lowry's foul troubles because when Carroll's not there to take on a Joe Johnson or even a Dwayne Wade, it's just his ability to switch on defenders helps ease things for the Raptors so much. And when he's not there, getting a switch from, let's say, Joseph to Lowry when they play that Lowry in the reserves unit, it's a big difference. It's much easier for the Heat to inflict their will, especially when they play a small ball lineup like they did. Extra small ball lineup, actually.
1: Yeah, what did you think of the Heat small ball lineup?
0: See, so yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was just say, let's just sink our teeth right in this game here and yeah. jump right into it because the extra small ball lineup and Casey coming out with Patterson and Biombo, you would have thought they would have crushed him on the glass tonight, no? Right. right.
1: But uh, the thing is that they've recognized that. And deter- when Bismarck Biombo rebounds, even though I wrote this like, huge piece about Bismarck Biombo's rebounding, um, his one weakness with rebounding is that he uses his athleticism more than like actual um, like fundamentals in like boxing out. That's why you know you see that him and Jonas both have like similar rebounding numbers, even though that they rebound completely differently. Like Biambo uses his athleticism. But if you have like four guys from the Heat, like what they were doing was gang rebounding. So mm. you have three or four people coming down to get the rebound. If you have all these other people competing, they can box out, or they just challenge his athleticism, and it's easier to get a rebound from somebody that just uses athleticism versus somebody that boxes out and uses his body.
0: Well, how frustrating is it to watch when the Raptors run their (laughs) offensive sets, and they they basically run an ISO, and they have one guy under the hoop, whether it be Biombo and Patterson, and then there's three heat, and they jack up a shot and just hope for the best.
1: You know, it actually has this weird undercurrent effect where it affects their offense, because... Know, the the raptors live off those offensive rebounds for uh, points. They in this game they had 8 to the heat 7, but that 8 is not enough cuz Yambo doesn't have any sort of uh, offensive game, you know, like Jonas where he's like Jonas will post you up, hook shots, face-ups, jump shots, right? Yambo doesn't have any of that. So he has to live off of the rebounds. If he can't get any offensive rebounds, then that's just like the loss of the points. the offensive skill of Jonas is just enhanced when they can't get those offensive rebounds.
0: I totally agree with you there. What would your thoughts be on the thing going let's say they went like a 5-out and they just played really small, the Raptors, and literally matched the heat size and kind of emptied the clip out in jump shooters and went toe-to-toe with them. You think that's something they might explore in Game 7?
1: Like, maybe it feels a different coach. (laughs) Maybe we're talking about Steve Kerr. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Not just because Steve Kerr is a great coach, but like he he was open to using those radical ideas. You know, he's yeah. using Draymond Green at the five in their death lineup. But uh, yeah, if you're using Dwayne Casey, he's such a, he's not even old. He's not even old school. He's just kind of like a curmudgeon, you know, he doesn't he's like serious. to change. Yeah. He doesn't like to change too many things. So like he's, he has like a nice, he, I mean, he's willing to make a lineup change within, within reason. I feel like if he went to five out, like the old heat, I don't think you'd be able to handle that. And I, you no, know, I can't even picture the Raptors' offense that way. Like, how are they gonna score? Because if you're doing the isolation with a one-five, or ever not isolation, if you're doing a pick-and-roll with one-five and then you shoot the sh- and you take the shot, like who's rebounding for you? Like they the crux of their offense, which is really odd to say. It, or is their offensive rebounding? You know, Jonas gets offensive yep. rebounds. That's how he scores a bunch of points. And Biom- scores a bunch of points off of offensive rebounding. So.
0: Well, the only way I think a five out type deal would work is if you had Patterson, Carroll, DeRozan, Lowry, and let's say Terrence Ross or Corey Joseph back there. Like, right. that's the only way it could work, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: Because if you sacrifice the size up front, you need somebody who can at least shoot the ball. And Patterson's the only guy that can do it because uh, your boy Stonehands Biombo there, <laughs> he, he doesn't got much offensively aside. <laughs> <sadly, that laughs>
1: Can somebody please explain this to me? Like, is his are his hands just like super small, or like he just like he doesn't grasp? It doesn't make any sense because he's such a good rebounder. You know, he catches the ball above the rim, but he could just never catch the ball from coming from somebody else.
0: I, I have no idea for the life of me. He looks like a praying mantis at times because his <laughs> yes. arms are so long, and he's running up and down the court. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's that's Biz.
1: Yeah, so you would expect him to be like you know able to catch the ball all the time because of the. His rebounding ability, but he just he just can't can't, he can't capture any passes. He looks and really
0: it, aloof when he's trying yeah. to. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating because I know there are times where you'll see Kyle Lowry throw the ball into the air for an alley. It's a, basically it's an alley pass. You'll see um, Biombo go up, grab the ball, and bring it back down, right? And then he has to like plant his feet and then go back up. Is, like, he can't catch the ball properly, so he has to, like, catch it like a rebound, yep. bring it down, and then go back up. I would really wish he could just go up, catch those, and throw those down, because that would be something they'd be able to use in their, in their offense, right? Since, like, Winslow is guarding him, he could just oh, jump over him.
0: Yeah, he should eat Winslow alive, especially with Larry goes underneath the hoop and that little Steve Nash move. There's always a trailer coming in, or there's somebody off, like, a no-look pass he can hit and they just they they're just not there they're just not ready their offensive awareness is not at the level where you can kind of get these free baskets and easy within the restricted area buckets there that you kind of make a living off of as a point guard like that's yeah, an easy assist
1: exactly and even um speaking of just like easy like court awareness I, there was this There was one possession specifically in the fourth quarter that, that like personifies Demar DeRozan to me where uh, they had gotten an offensive rebound and it was like kind of a scramble to get the offensive rebound and Patrick Patterson was in the right corner, like at the bottom of your TV Mm -hmm. and DeMar DeRozan was at the top left and there was like this clear, like just a path. It was just like this open crevice in the, in the defense where he could just laser the pass to him. And I swear DeMar saw him and actually just like looked him off. And then basically (laughs) just like went back into that, uh, that screen and roll. And I'm like, what is he doing?
0: He wants to dribble to his right hand. It's tomorrow. We know exactly what he wants to do. He wants to dribble off the screen, go with his right hand, and either settle for the mid-range jumper or go to the hoop and try and draw a foul. That's tomorrow, like in an absolute nutshell.
1: Yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of sad, man. Remember that 25000000 million. Don't forget.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs> You're just throwing jabs, man. I'm at my little trends thing. Bring it back up DeMar. Like, it's don't problem.
1: forget $25 million.
0: Two years. Two years. $25 mil each season. We can live with
1: that. Can't wait until we the off season so we can like really go in depth with that.
0: Oh, <laughs> we're gonna have some wars. Those will be fun. <laughs> okay, what do you make of the Raptors' defense tonight? One thing I noticed with Biombo and even Patterson to a certain extent is they weren't very active in the passing lanes. The Raptors only forced seven turnovers tonight. Um, the Heat have had the most, tur- second most turnovers this what second round now. I think yeah. only Oklahoma City has more turnovers than them. So to see the Heat only have seven turnovers tonight, that was a bit alarming for me. It's actually a symptom
1: of uh, Kyle Lowry's foul trouble. Like, I don't know if you know this, but the NBA uh, tracks uh, hustle stats now. Yep. Deflections is one of them, right? And Kyle Lowry is one of the leaders. I think he's first or second place in deflections. So just having, like, somebody, you know, getting after the ball, just breaking up your offensive set just so you have, like, 11 seconds to do something instead of 24 or 13 seconds to do something, that that affects the defense, and it affects the Heat's offense, right? So...
0: I totally agree, I just, he's pivotal to everything to do.
1: Yeah, so when he's out of the game, you know, this is what basically caused uh, Goran Dragic to go off for 30 points. Like, He's out for extended periods of time due to foul trouble. Goran, jo- Goran Dragic is against uh, Corey Joseph. How do you think uh, him and Corey Joseph fared?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Corey Joseph looks out of gas. I mean, Dragic took him to the hoop all night. He's chasing him around like a chicken with his head cut off, and Dragic just kept cooking him. Baseline, baseline, top of the key, rolling off the screen, <laughs> right to the hoop again. It was just, just imposing his will. It was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's human. and the This is a new lineup that's in vogue right now is a point guard plus uh, the bench.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know
1: if you notice this, but like uh, Warriors do it sometimes. It's only sometimes because usually they play their big three together. But like Toronto does it, Miami does it. The,
0: the Thunder show- have tried it at times.
1: Thunder tried. The Thunder have to do it, because for the past like four years, people have been screaming at the Thunder through their television to stagger the stars, so they they have to do it now.
0: <laughs> well, I think they're more of playing the two big men that's worked out well for them, Steve Adams and um, yeah. Ennis Cantor. That's developed into something really well for them.
1: Yeah, that's true. I can't wait to see that against the the Warriors, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's the a big, contrast to styles.
1: Big versus small. Yeah, um, yeah so... Yeah, and then the the Trailblazers were also doing it, where they would have CJ McCollum. You would become the point guard, or it would just be Lillard and the bench, right? So this is this new vogue lineup of point guard plus bench, and uh, we're in Dragic feasts on that because the Raptors don't have a backup center. You know, they're playing uh, Jason Thompson and Lucas
0: Nguera. How lost was Baby? And how lost was Jason Thompson?
1: You know, when we asked that last time, it was like a joke, but, like, which one do you think is more effective on the floor? Like, do you think it's Jason Thompson or Lucas?
0: Um, I'd rather see them trade their uniform with Jerry Stackhouse and let Jerry Stackhouse get out there. (laughs) And I'm so serious. Even give Jim Johnson more minutes. (laughs) The only thing I can give for Bebe tonight is this. He's the only Raptor to finish with a plus-minus rating in the positive tonight. He was uh, a plus-one.
1: Right, right. Okay, (laughs) Plus one, I guess. Yeah. Big pivot,
0: you know? man. Plus one. Everybody else. <laughs> Next closest guy is Norman Powell, a few minutes. And he's a zero. That's it. Oh
1: man. And normally he actually played today, which is um a little bit new. They don't really they haven't been playing him at all at all in this well, season.
0: He, he's got a cook, man. He's struggled a lot this series. Yeah, he can't handle
1: he can't handle the just the play style of the we talked about this before, like the hesitations and like the subtle moves. Because yep. he's not able to catch up to those. I mean he will eventually. It's just like being a rookie, you know, nobody in college is doing stuff like the not things like that, that they're doing. Not not like Dwayne Wade, you know. Nobody plays like Dwayne Wade in college. So you can't really get practice for that other than in the NBA.
0: What did you think about the Heat kind of uh, minimizing Justin, Justice Winslow's minutes a bit? He only played 26-55 tonight. Um, wasn't as effective as usual, but I felt he like hit, he was a little bit more serviceable in less minutes tonight.
1: Yeah, he hit that three. That three was actually like at the beginning of the game. Yeah, it was just 1-3. It's like at the very beginning of the game, they left him wide open, obviously, because he doesn't shoot. He doesn't shoot at all. Like, well, he just doesn't shoot. But getting that 1-3 was like big for just the team in general. It was like, yes, you no, know, they can't stop us. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, in the previous game, the Thunder versus uh, the Spurs, and Andre Roberson is hitting threes from the corner yes. and getting...
0: <laughs> I, think I think the Spurs were just looking at each other like, get the hell out of here. Andre Robertson's beating us.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, his defense was pretty good. He's playing good defense on DeRozan, you know, especially on the switches, man. When he's, he's going to Biombo and they run that 1-5 or yep. that 2-5 and then they switch, you know, you don't get an advantage. You know, that's the whole point of the running the screen and roll is to uh, get that advantage on the big man because the big man's slower than the point guard or shooting guard.
0: But and the since, going extra small kind of negated all of that. Tonight with yeah, that, so it, just, it, it negates everything,
1: like... Coach Spo is definitely out-coaching uh, Dwayne Casey. At least I think so.
0: Oh, no, 100%. I mean, he played Luol Deng 40 minutes tonight, most of them at the five, and it worked. Yeah. And it worked, like, marvelously. It was crazy. Deng didn't play well. I mean, he had two points, eight boards, two assists, but he did his job. His switching on defense was awesome. He kind mm. of eliminated Patrick Patterson all night.
1: Yo, Patrick Patterson, man, he was just... Uh... You know the the problem with playing uh,
0: Patrick Patterson is that
1: he doesn't have a post game, right? So you can play this super small lineup and neutralize him because if you're playing Joe Johnson, he's like similar height, and uh, if you're if you don't have any sort of post game to to punish uh, that height difference, you can kind of cheat and just have somebody smaller cover him. So even though he's playing the power forward, you can have a small forward cover him as long as his arms. His arms are long, so he can contest the shot. Patrick Patterson isn't necessarily going to, like, drive, like, pump fake, drive by you, and, like, go for a dunk or something like that.
0: Well, if, so, you're, Casey, well, if you're Casey, how would you attack that then? Because you know Luel Deng is going to be back out there, probably playing heavy minutes in Game 7. So what are you going to do to attack that? Uh, for Luel Deng? I mean, <laughs> well, I maybe like just... Patterson kind of correlates with him.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... I can't think of anything, real, like, I can't think of anything this team specifically would be able to do. I mean, maybe play some Skola.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> dust off Skola, you know?
0: <laughs> I mean, Patrick... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> dust off Skola. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> you can dust off Bruno too while you're Oh, man. Okay, well...
1: Um, whole well, thing. no, he's just uh, he's just one of those players... He's like... um. All George, where he's kind of neutralizing a bunch of things that the Raptors like to do. So if he's he stopped Demar Derozan post ups. I don't know. Have you did you see Demar Derozan posting up this game?
0: Mm, I think he had the one or two. No.
1: Yeah, like those two where he they attacked in semi transition, right? And he was able to get a mismatch with uh, Tyler Johnson or yeah Tyler Johnson, and then he would like post him up like immediately.
0: Well, Tyler he's, Johnson makes sense. Like for him to post him up, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. So he's finally getting those like advantages, which was great for him. But you know he can't do that against Lil Dang, And then if he's trying to, you know, the screens like the pick and roll is not working. Like the isolated top of the key high screen and roll does not work effectively against this team. And that's why the Raptors can't score more than 100 points,
0: which is agonizing. Yeah, because the thing for me is like you know the heater can come out extra small again you know they're going to force you into basically finding a way to creatively use Biombo and not just as a shot changer in the lane on uh, on the defensive side of the floor there. They're going to need him to do more, especially on the offensive side. I mean, he's going to pull down his boards, but the Heat are kind of cheating where, like you were saying with the gang rebounding,
2: hmm. they're
0: clogging the lane so fast any time Lowry or DeRozan drives in there, basically just overcommitting and saying, dump it off to somebody else.
1: Yeah, see, the thing is, this actually relates directly to Patrick Patterson. If Patrick Patterson is unable to hit those threes, right, they can fall off of him and then, like, they'll shrink off of him and they'll shrink into the pain off of any sort of drive. And then they'll just be content to, run, content to run out to him. So they still have, you know, Joe Johnson running out to him or Luol Al Dang running out to him to contest the shot. And if he can't hit the shot, then Luol Al Dang will just continue to defend him, even though he's much shorter.
0: No, that makes sense. I feel like this game had a lot of outliers in it, where there was a lot of situations that happened where you just kind of look at it and you go, "Okay, this hasn't happened that often this series. Will it happen again?" So, for example, the Raptors four of sixteen from three. Will that continue again in Game Seven? And then, on the contrary, the Heat seven turnovers. I mean, what's more likely to happen again here? The Raptors shooting poorly from three, or the Heat taking care of the ball?
1: Uh, yeah, you're right, man. I think the the turnovers the turnovers should come back, especially when. Kyle Lowry isn't in foul trouble. Turnover should come back, get a few steals, get some runouts.
0: What did you think of the uh, Heat's transition game tonight? Because they actually got out and ran in the first quarter, and they set the tempo pretty high.
1: Yeah, you know, they only have like six points off turnovers, but it feels like so much more is because they get those mismatches, and they always, they always get the... Especially with that, that group of five, the super small five,
0: yep.
1: it's hard for the it's hard for the Raptors to actually, like, figure out who they have to cover. So I noticed that there was, like, a lot of miscommunications on defense where there would be that, sim, that transition, right? They'll get a bunch of mismatches, and then you see, like, a ton of people just, like, pointing, and people don't know what to do, and people can't figure out who to cover, and then somebody drives to the hoop, right, and then the, the Raptors will commit, and then, you know, Goran Dragic will, like, pass it out, and then they can't figure out who is, whose man that is.
0: Right, See, I'm, I'm actually so happy you mentioned that because I was texting a friend as the game was going on and he's like, man, the miscommunication is so bad. And I go, well, the game as a whole hasn't been that great. He goes, yeah, well, the Heat's D has been meh, but they're getting out in transition. And I'm like, well, they're getting out every once in a while. He goes, listen, we've been deprived of such good basketball that it's just a little bit better than bad. So maybe it's good. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, true. That might make sense. <laughs> <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, I'm like he's—he's yeah, yeah. he's just saying we're so used to seeing bad basketball that when we see something a little bit better, like we did tonight, we kind of freak out.
1: Could you imagine if either of these teams were in the West? I don't think they would even make it out of the first round.
0: Hell no. Who are they right? beating?
1: Yeah. So if we're just—we're not watching it. And we're just like, oh man, that person just like you know that person has three blocks. Those three blocks are huge. Right? <laughs> or those six, those six points on turnovers are huge. When, you know, you watch like uh, the, the, the Warriors versus the Trailblazers and there's like 16 points on, off of turnovers and there's like eight threes, eight threes and a quarter or eight threes in and in a half. And you're like, eh. Warriors are just going to do Warriors things, I guess.
0: I think the Trailblazers would absolutely run us out of the gym if we played in the series right now. Absolutely. And I mean, that's not necessary. Maybe, maybe not. You don't think so? Uh,
1: the the defense of, of uh, Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum would be a little bit suspect, especially on post-ups. Probably okay. be double teams.
0: But I mean, sh- we still got DeMar settling for those 20-foot jump shots. So.
1: I mean, he's, he's bigger than, than CJ, but then they would probably switch like Aminu onto him, have CJ guard somebody
0: else. Yeah, no, that's true. I just feel like watching DeMar, is, it's been frustrating because he's been bigger than at times when he got the switch with George Hill in the first round. He got crunched. Yeah. This series, he's bigger than Wade. He's bigger than Dragic. Um, man, even when he's had Llewell Dang on him, that's a guy that he should be able to beat with foot speed. Hasn't been able to consistently do it.
1: That's the, the problem is he doesn't shoot threes. It's a huge problem. That's like the biggest problem for him, and it's, it gets exposed in the playoffs, because when you're in the playoffs, you're trying to you know, pick on everybody's weaknesses. That's how you succeed in the playoffs. He doesn't shoot threes, so whenever he runs his screens, right, they just go under, right? and he's trying to drive to the rim, but by going under, you're giving up that three-point shot. He doesn't shoot the three-point shot, so if he's going to drive in any way, you already have like that extra space to contain his drive. So by not shooting threes, it, just, it, it makes his entire game worse.
0: It makes him really one-dimensional, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: I mean it's just you know he'll drive into the defender, step back, mid-ranger or drive into the defender, weasel around the screen, floater but like that through that three-point shot is hindering everything else he does. I mean if he had that three-point shot he would be like an, an amazing player to be honest, like he has everything else.
0: Well, he'd evolve from being a 90s basketball player to a 2000s basketball player to be honest. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, he would just be 2000s and then if he shot like six threes a game then you'd be a 2010s yeah, basketball player.
0: Because he's literally stuck in the 90s. Watching him play, is just like, man, you would kick a lot of ass playing in the 90s. Like, yeah. He reminds me of Clyde Drexler before he could shoot. Yeah, exactly. Which is probably not a great comp. <laughs> That's not the best criticism, but...
1: Yeah, it's not the best version. Man. Yeah, pulling
0: at straws here. Because, I mean, DeMar is such a hard player to comp, in my opinion, because what he does is just... It's bland, but it works. Yeah, it works in the playoffs.
1: It's not working... I mean, it works in the regular season. It's not working in the playoffs right now. He hasn't been. Able... I've been that past game, game five, was his like only good game in recent memory. Like he wasn't playing well versus the Pacers, and he, he didn't wasn't really really...
0: play that well against the Wizards.
1: Yeah, so he's just like the playoffs, like really neuter him just by having that one weakness of not shooting threes. You can't be a guard and not shoot threes now, man.
0: No, not in today's NBA. You just absolutely cannot be. You have to, have to, have to shoot threes. Like I don't it's... get it.
1: Yeah, especially if you're a guard, because the quickness of all the other guards will be able to catch up with you if you're driving and something like that. If you're a big man, you can kind of get away with not shooting threes, just because there aren't that, like, there are every year there are more and more big men that can shoot threes. But there's still enough where you can be like, or there's still enough that are slow, <laughs> that you can just have, like, a regular big man still guard them, okay. but right now, yeah, right now as a guard, like, you just can't, you can't do it anymore.
0: Okay, well, before we get into previewing, I guess, do or die Game 7 here, is there anything else you wanted to dip into for about, uh, about Game 6?
1: No, man, I just, I'm just enjoying the Jason Thompson and Bebe Noguera show. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually really crazy to me that they're actually getting minutes, and then you realize that there are nobody, there's literally nobody else that they could be
0: playing. Who will box it's... out first, Bebe or Jason Thompson? Who will box out first? <laughs> <laughs> Watching them try and box out and set screens was comical. Oh. I could not sit there and laugh. I was just like, I, I can't laugh at them. It's not even funny. Like, you know
1: what? I want to talk tiring. about Bebe be really quickly. Like, yeah, let's do it. He has the tools, man. If you could just get the, the, the IQ of a basketball player inside of him, you'd be like a, a monster defensive player.
0: Easily, because everything physically is there. You look at him. He's got that energy. I mean, he he's played a little timid in his appearances in the playoffs in this series. Totally understand why. I mean, they're throwing him into a situation that I don't think he was expecting to play this entire playoffs. You know, So mentally, he's not there. And when he gets in there, he's just like, okay, fuck, fuck, fuck. Don't screw up. Don't screw up. And then we see the results.
1: Yeah, but he is like, he's mad. Like, he's so tall. And he has these really, really long arms. And he has, like, you know, a decent athleticism. You don't need to jump, really, that much when you're that
0: tall. Nope.
1: But uh, he has these huge, huge, long arms and big hands. I'm like, man, if he was just, if he was on a bad team, right, he would get more playing time. And I feel like he would be developing a lot faster than he is on on this Raptors team.
0: I totally agree. He'd be that random guy that fantasy players pick up randomly and is like, bam, double double machine. Yeah, He'd absolutely. Be like that JJ Hickson type player with better <gasps> physical tools.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'd was, love if he
0: developed into like a JJ Hickson, just better physically
1: better physically I, yeah you know a lot of just crashing the rim as a center in this league you don't really need to have like Jonas's skill set right now is kind of a surplus like you don't really need that to be a center just being athletic is just enough to be a center just playing defense is enough to be a center because everybody else on the court does everything
0: else yeah i totally agree because I, I mean look at a guy like biombo he's not very great at anything okay I mean, he's great at defending the rim and grabbing rebounds i'll give him that but is he really like a game-changer? He's just super athletic, and he fits in well out there with the way the NBA is shifting now.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, um, his contract ends after this season. Why is right? he get
0: paid? And
1: I'm realized if he could, if, okay, honestly, if he could catch, it would make him a lot better. But uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan just got played a ton of, like, max money, right? And his um, skill set isn't that different from Bionbo's. Like, he can... He can catch the lob, right, like really effectively. That's what separates them. But other than that, like they're basically the same player. So I wouldn't be surprised if Biombo got a ton of money in the offseason.
0: You know what? I would be a bit surprised. I mean, what's a ton, though? What do you think is a ton of money?
1: Okay, so the, the max the max contract next year is about $30 million, right? Uh not stretch off the list. Keep yeah, so... <laughs> It would be something like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was getting like $15 million, $10 million next year.
0: No, I thought that exactly as well. Because so I know he can come back with the Raptors for the mid-level exception. That they can do. I'm almost positive. I have to go back and look at all the cap notes I got. But I'm pretty sure he's mid-level exception eligible. Mm-hmm. If not, I think he falls into that category you're saying right now, 10 to $15 million.
1: Yeah, it's just, right. he's, a star, he's a starting center on most teams. Raptors are really lucky to have him.
0: Do you feel like he's a starting center? Or do you feel like he's just in a really good system at the moment?
1: Honestly, if you can just figure out a way to get him to catch the ball. I, it sounds like I'm harping on it, but it's really such an important skill in basketball.
0: <laughs> but mean. They didn't bring it up since he's in Charlotte. In like, yeah. Charlotte, they were like, what the hell? He can do everything except catch. But catch, right? So And shoot free throws, which he's actually improved a lot this year. Yeah, week. his free throws are better,
1: right? So if he could just catch, which is such a simple skill. I don't know how you teach somebody how to catch because it's not hand-eye. He just drops the ball.
2: Well,
0: there or was he's... the one there in the fourth quarter where he caught, uh, I think it was Larry that threw him that bounce pass and it kind of handcuffed him and he fumbled it. Then he tried to go up with it and then Wade blocked him into oblivion yeah. and they went yeah, the away ex- way for the transition bucket. Exactly. So if he just caught it, he crams that thing home. Yeah, exactly. Every time, you'd be able to throw lobs to him all the time.
1: He would be like a, a re- really good player. I could be able to do like 10 or 15 points a game just off of lobs and offensive rebounds
0: easily. <laughs> I can't believe we were like talking about Biombo and his potential. He's good, man. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, I think he is good.
1: I love Biombo. He's honestly, he's my favorite player on the Raptors by far.
0: Even more than Kyle Lowry,
1: even more than Kyle Lowry.
0: Okay, fine. Even more than Norman Powell, Norman Powell, <laughs> <laughs> he's Norman like a folk l- legend out in this yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> you um you the norm that's every, all you hear man
1: yeah we the north
0: no no and, we the uh, norm <laughs> We the norm. that's nice oh thing yeah here now.
1: absolutely <laughs> yeah he's he's uh he's great man his nickname he has a great nickname mr serious yep all right so what are you looking for in game seven man
0: <sighs> there's a lot of things but i think to really simplify it here they got to force more turnovers. The defense has to be a lot better because the Raptors' offense, it's not coming to score 100 points anytime soon like you've been preaching now. Um, in that case, their best offense has been their defense, in my opinion. It was something I wrote about earlier today, how their defense has kind of carried them throughout this postseason. They've laid the clamps down on opponents that are worse than them. They've got to do it again with the Heat, and that's going to start with them slowing down Drogic. Mm. I'm totally okay with them letting Dwayne Wade score 30, heck, even 40 points. But they right. can't let anybody else go off with them because you saw what happened today. When Dragic does it, it's it's something else.
1: Yeah, because he's do it's not that he's just like uh it's not just layups like he's hitting threes he gets free throws you know he's also getting people involved with his assists I think he only had like
0: no he had I think he had four. seven I'll pull it up right now I'm pretty sure he had seven assists Dragic where is it here Four
1: assists seven rebounds so he's yeah. still getting people involved in the game so yeah I would prefer Dwayne Wade. Uh, or 30 mostly because when he scores 30 it's off of uh ISO. Yeah, iso and mid-range twos the thing about mid-range when you're hot and you don't shoot threes right you can go hot you can go like five of five that's 10 points and let's say you cool off you're like you cool off you miss like your next three shots you're, you know you're five of eight and then let's say you do like you know, you'd start playing like a regular player again, you can, like, settle back down to 50%, even though people were like, oh, man, you know, Dwayne Wade was really hot today. You'd be like,
0: hey, 50%, man. Yeah, Pretty it's cool. DeMar DeRozan right there. Exactly. And the other thing with that, from an offensive efficiency standpoint, is that those five possessions where that player was hot, let's say they settle for twos every time, that's 10 points. I can go down and score on three of those five possessions and hit threes, which we see a lot of times with the Warriors. Yeah, exactly. It's a one-point difference. It's a yeah. totally different ball game now.
1: Yeah, yeah. You gotta. You just have to shoot threes. It's such a, it's such a simple thing to uh, say. Hard thing to do. You know? The Raptors are
0: trying though. I mean, what twenty-one attempts that I think they had?
1: Mm, ton of attempts.
0: Sixteen, sorry, sixteen three-point attempts. They only made four. Right. Yeah. can that keep yeah, up? I mean, it's not like it's Paul George out there guarding them. Indiana's D was much better at the perimeter than Miami's. Yeah
1: need Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross is 0-4. And then you need Patrick Patterson. to. If they just went, you know, uh, an average. with The aver- the league average, I think, is like 36% on threes. I
0: they believe just, so. It's around there.
1: But if they could just do that, I would be, you know, I'd be really happy. Because then you don't, you don't only need like a regular game from Kyle Lauer. You don't need 36. He almost had 40 points. He had 36 points today. If I could just get like 20... 25 points from my stars, and then I get 36% from the others. That just sounds like a winning formula to me, man.
0: I totally agree, but you can't have 10 assists again because the ball was not moving. Most of their points came off of, what, free throws and the ISO drives? Yep. Like, you can't win ballgames like that. No. How concerned are you with Demari Carroll?
1: It's bad, man, because now now it's not just his wrist. It's also an ankle thing. Team... Or, like, the, first, the third most important player on the team would probably be uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, Biambo, and Damari. You know, you can live, it's so weird to say that you can live without your second best shooter-like scorer, but you can live without Demar.
0: I think they could, like, no problem.
1: <laughs> if they had uh, just, like, a spot, like, maybe not a spot-up shooter, but somebody that was just, like, specifically a shooter that also could dribble the ball every once in a while, it would still be an effective team.
0: Well, I think for this series against the Heat especially, they can live with just like a spot-up shooter, somebody who can, you know, kind of work off of screens, um, maybe pop a couple corner trays, mm. things, that, things that they need Patterson and Carroll to do that they haven't been doing. They need to set like
1: uh, some pin-downs for like Kyle Lowry. They never, do, they never do anything for him off-ball to get him any good looks. It's usually they run a bunch of like decoy plays, so they'll actually like run like these double screens um, off like around the elbow where Mar DeRozan will get the ball, you would be like, oh, he's going to shoot this. Uh, it, sometimes it's a three, some, like, sometimes it's behind the arc, and sometimes it's like near the elbow, where you're like, oh, he's going to shoot it, and then he just like, grabs it and like, pulls it out,
0: screen and roll. I'm actually that's so it. happy you brought this up, because the only time they run double screens off ball for Lowry is to get him the ball. And it's literally <laughs> to give him the ball to usually reset a dead set. And it's so frustrating to watch, because they can do so much more with him off of there. Or he'll catch and shoot a three, a quick three. That's, that's it, though. It's that's literally it. only there for those two options. I, I don't get it because I feel like they can take Lowry to this next level where you use him in these variety of ways that his dribbling ability can just create more plays. And for some reason, they just feel that he can only create plays from the top of the three. It's agonizing. See, you know what? The, t- the team needs more ball handlers. It doesn't have an-
1: enough ball handlers. Yeah, that's it's a good like good point, actually. Yeah, there's like Kyle Lowry, Marta Rosen,
0: Corey Prince Joseph. Ross.
1: Terrence Ross every once in a while, and Corey Joseph, and that's pretty much it for ball handlers.
0: Maybe that's why that Lowry Joseph, like basically Lowry in the reserves. Maybe that's why it's worked so well. It's because there's a lot of ball handlers out there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I feel like I mean, you're that's, why the work,
1: yeah, that's why the work... Yeah, that's why you know uh, the Spurs. Remember when they were playing like that beautiful? Everybody gets to touch the ball and dribble. Everybody gets gets to dribble. You know, everybody was capable of at least passing the ball to somebody else. A couple of dribbles, pass the ball to somebody else, a couple of dribbles, jump shot. Raptors don't have anything like that really. It's more like dribble, 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 dribble,
0: pass. You know who talked about this was Damari Carroll actually last series. He said that no. a lot of what we do is based on Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. Like we need them to be successful for us to be successful. And he said, coming from Atlanta where you're going to touch the ball almost every play, so you're a little more involved, you know, you got to be ready. He goes, here in Toronto. You've got to be ready based off what Kyle and DeMar do, not what the team's doing. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: And for him, it must be like a shell shock for him.
0: It's got to so be a piss-off, my... dude. You see how angry he looks all the time with him? He pissed. Oh
1: uh, Yeah, he never, looked, he never looks happy.
0: No. I, I'm happy he said something to Dragic, though, when he got right in his face like that mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. third quarter there because, man, Dragic was running rough shot on the Raptors, and they were just like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, we still have another game to play.
1: There is definitely some like something. Uh, there is like an intangible just being in somebody's face, especially when they're scoring well. It's, like it's not even an intimidation factor; it's more of a like I'm here factor. It's, like don't don't forget, man. Don't forget that you that I need I need you to respect me. And there'll be like somebody like bumping into you or like some sort of hard foul.
0: Appreciate it. Well, he kind of sets a tone for them, right? That you're not going to run us over. And it's it's such like a hockey thing to say, that, that whole uh, quote-unquote old-school enforcer. Mm. But what Damari does there, he sets a tempo for everybody else in regards to you're going to have to earn every basket. And at times, I mean, it looked like Dragic wasn't earning every basket. He was just taking whatever he wanted. Yeah, uh, you're right. Paying dividends, And when he finally said something, I mean, he toned down a bit. But I think that was largely evaporated once uh, Lowry got back into foul trouble. Okay, you do, know, in, what do you expect for Game Seven, though? What
1: do I expect? I. Uh, what do I expect? I expect um, Kyle Lowry probably is going to have a good game. You know, his he kind of have a his legacy is kind of like Toronto's legacy now. You know, <laughs> however far he goes with Toronto is basically like Toronto's uh, history as a sports franchise at the moment. Like this is the best ever Toronto team, so. I would expect his pride to be on the line. Like I really, you, you would be the guy that gets Toronto to an Eastern Conference Finals, and he pretty much would be like Mister Toronto.
0: We're coming back him. with a podcast to debate about that. About if this <laughs> is the most. I got a bunch of questions I could rattle off to you about that, but I don't want to ruin it because I know you're going to break down Game Seven. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, yeah. Like, write them down. We'll talk about it. Uh,
0: yeah. So it probably he probably have
1: a big game. Martin Rosen, I'm I am I really hope he has, like, a dunk. Not, like, just, not like a, not like a meh dunk. I want, like, something like Terrence Ross threw down today. That was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. I love seeing him attack the dish. It's awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. He took a, the one that was on the breakaway where they, like, uh, threw the ball ahead of him. That was almost like Zach Levine's dunk where he was, like, he took off from, like, before the dotted line and looks like, just, like, flying for a couple seconds. Dude, that was much dunks. harder
0: than it looked, too, because he caught that ball full tilt and then collected his feet and threw it down. Exactly.
1: So, yeah, great Kyle Lowry game. Mark Rosen. hopefully there's a dunk. And the has got to play some serious D, man. And Kyle Lowry cannot get in foul trouble. And he's, I know somebody's going to talk to him about it, and then he's probably going to look at it we oh, gonna like look at the film and see all the times that he drew a foul was like on a block when he's trying to draw a charge or something like that. He's still gonna try and draw charges, but I have a feeling it's gonna be less frequent, just so he's out of foul trouble and he can stay in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think is gonna happen.
0: Hopefully. So the end result's gonna be
1: oh oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we don't
0: have to go that far yet. I mean, we can save that, but
1: uh, you know, I think the Raptors are gonna win. Man. Like. Uh, History is on their side. I think it's like 90% of the Game 7s go to the home team. The selection bias for that, obviously, because the home team and Game 7 is probably a better team in general. But I think that I know, I've always thought that Toronto was the better team in this series and that the heat of just have superior coaching, and that's how they've been winning their games.
0: I mean, I do think the Raptors are the better team, though.
1: Yeah, yeah I think they're the better team. But uh, Dwayne Casey, what adjustment does Dwayne Casey make, like, need to make or should make that like, would make the Raptors more effective in this game?
0: What adjustments could he make? Because you can't go outside the box here and say they've got to move the ball, they've got to do things they've never done before, because we both know that's just not going to happen, right? Right, so especially gonna in do the Game 7. Can do. Yeah, especially in the Game 7. Um, I feel like the adjustments they make are just better execution. They just can't shoot that poorly from three. They can't be that lazy on weak side defense. I mean, I'm sure when they go back and watch the film, they're going to be pissed off at how many times they've seen the guys on more or less weak side defense or off ball defense, where they're just their defenders just getting by them every time. Or sorry, they're defending the player and he's kind of sneaking in. There's a lot of times tonight where a lot of the gang rebounding you saw from the Heat was it's just a lack of boxing, out, a, a lack of keeping your defender in front of you. It was just simple things that they just need to execute. It's nothing special, in my opinion
1: there's there's um, one sequence or not even a sequence where uh, it's just like a series of events that keep happening where it'll be like a drive from Dragic, right? Spe- specifically when Dragic was in the game and he was like killing the Raptors where he would drive, right? And he would uh he would actually make you'd actually make a pass and since that uh, they're running that, that five out offense with <clears throat> with like all guards and forwards that Diombo is out of position so, like, it allows, like, somebody like Winslow to, um, speed, like, use his speed and get around Biambo, and, like, basically just, like, sets this, uh, defense into, like, a warp where they're all just, like, sprouting out, they're coming in to, uh, defend the Dragic drive, and then the ball gets kicked out, so then, like, what, maybe sometimes two people, like, jump out to defend the man, or, like, nobody def- jumps out to defend the man and, the he get an open three. They actually have to just like work on their communication, which is doable, especially when, uh, especially if there's like a couple games in between. You'll just be able to discern who's guarding who, and like maybe, they don't, maybe they're not even going to be concerned about who's guarding who unless it's like a guard. So yeah, I think that they should be doing that. That would be something that's fixable, and definitely they would be capable of doing that in two
0: days. Cause that, yeah, you, said, you actually stole what I was going to ask you next there at the end when you said uh, in two days. They don't have a lot of time to prepare, right? So, I mean, it's got to be things that are simplistic like working on their switches. Um, to go back to the execution point, if I'm going to pick a sequence of events that really kind of brought it to the light for me was when Corey Joseph went on transition there to lay it in, and he he botched it. He completely missed the lay-in. Then they go the other way. The Heat miss in transition. Patrick Patterson grabs an uncontested rebound, and he fumbles it out of bounds. And then he gets the ball yeah. back it's just those aloof plays they gotta eliminate and they have to make those just work in their favor you, yeah, you can't be making those little mental mistakes right, two hands <laughs> how long have we been hearing that for
1: just two hands man two hands on the ball
0: well, I feel like on that night, on that note it's good to end this off here on two hands so Raptors fans sit tight till Sunday we'll see you at game 7 best of luck sleeping until then in the meantime, if you want to reach out to us at the show, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can also reach our Facebook page at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach out to myself personally, you can reach me at Chris O'Cranus on Twitter. You can reach Damar at JG on Twitter. Um, guys, again, best of luck sleeping. We'll see you at Game 7. Take care. This is the story of
1: The One.